everyone and welcome to episode 96 of the Talking Football Podcast. My name's Derek Clark and every week we bring you a first-class interview with some of the most colourful and interesting characters involved in the game. This week I sat down with former Hamilton Ackies defender David Elibert. David was in fantastic form as he looked back on his time in the game from his early days at Preston, experiencing the ugly side of football at Scarborough, his memories of his time at New Douglas Park, as well as his stint in Iceland and playing back in his native Ireland. He also tells us about his coaching aspirations and a whole load in between. So sit back and enjoy the latest episode of the Talking Football Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Talking Football Podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to say we're joined on the line this week by former Hamilton Ackies, Shamrock Rovers, Derry City defender. It's the one and only David Elibert. David, thank you very much for, for coming on. Yeah, mate, no problems at all. Delighted to be here. Um, we're just speaking off here there that <laughs> you're just up, you're doing nights at the moment. Uh, how's, how's it been for you with regards to the, the coronavirus and all that and working and stuff? Has it, has it affected you? Um, no, but luckily enough, we haven't been too affected as a family. Um, I'm in the transport business and my, my wife is in the construction industry. So both of us, luckily enough, have, have managed to, to stay stay working and, and through the whole thing. So, yeah, relatively unaffected, uh, thankfully, you know. Top man. Excellent stuff. Well, looking back at the, the football career, David, um, when you were born back in uh, 21st of March, it'll be your birthday soon, uh, back in, in Dublin. Um, what, what was life like growing up, always kicking a ball around? Yeah, mate, it was it was uh, there was a lot of street football involved. Um, yeah, every 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 time I got a chance out, out with a group of friends just out on the road and with a football. I think there was a couple of Christmases where we got our own. Um, you know the the, the five side goals we used to have them out decked out on the road, and um, morning, noon, and night out with a football. Yeah, but did you did you play the, the Gaelic football and the hurling and all that sort of stuff as well? Yeah, mate, I was a bit of a, a bit of a late bloomer with the Gaelic football. Um, my my main focus since I was a kid was soccer you know yeah um, but growing up as a kid I got all my friends and and that were were, were playing Gaelic football and hurling as well and I took, took an interest in it and it's, it's kind of a it's a it's a national game so it's um you take you take an interest in it quite quickly and um yeah so I started playing I started playing Gaelic football and hurling probably in about when I was about maybe 10 11 um, and quickly because of my because of the, the footballing skills, you can, you can they're quite transferable to the to the Gaelic pitch, yeah. and so it ended up being fairly handy at that as well, you know. Yeah. Who, who, did you follow any team when you were when you were growing up? Um, football team, like. Yeah, yeah, football. Yeah. Yeah, I was a big Man United fan. Born and born and bred Man United fan. My father and grandfather, um, big huge United fan. So uh, I remember some of the earliest memories are watching the the that United. Uh, 92, 93 team. Yeah. yeah. The league winning team. So I was born into our, our following success, as they, as they might say. Yeah, absolutely. And um, defending then, was that always the, your position that you played growing up or did you play any other any other positions? Um, I think when I was younger, um, I was in, I was a midfielder, sort of a, yeah. an old school box-to-box midfielder, if you like. <laughs> yeah, but it was, it was always a ball-winning midfielder. It was never a, <laughs> never a, a nice cultured midfielder like a, a Xavi or Iniesta role, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was um, probably when I was around eleven or ten, or um, when I when I, I kind of took a growth sport. Um, yeah. so I was I was always taller than, than most of the kids in the team, so they put me back to centre back so where they could where they could use me head. Yeah. See, when you, you said my United was your team, did you have any 
Any players that you looked up to? Any role models and that sort of thing? Um, yeah, but, um, obviously that United team were, were fairly kind of um, fairly famous, and Cantona was always a always a huge 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 favourite. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a I think the first name or number name a number I got in the back of one of my Manchester United jerseys was um, Yapstam. So oh yeah. Straight away, I was, I was, I see your Lazio jump around there as well. <laughs> 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 you remember Yabstam, all right? Um, but yeah, no, I took it, took it. The older I got, the more of an interest I was, I, I um, took in, in defenders in, in particular. Um, so, I, so as the years went on, over you know, they've had some fantastic centre halves and the likes yeah. of Rio, and, and a personal favourite of mine would have been um, Vidic, Nemanja Vidic. Yeah, yeah, Stam was amazing, man. I loved him. Um, see when you see when you joined Preston, how how did that all come about, David? Did they send scouts over? Did, were you playing for a, a boys' club or something like that? Yeah, well, the way it works over here, it's it's um, schoolboy football. It is so you're, you're playing for a, the local local team or local club, and um, scouts come out and watch the matches. Probably it's the same same over there with the with the with the football over there, you know. Um, so yeah, so I, did, I was I was away on a good few trials. Now, like usually, what happens is you, like every midterm break for school. I was going going away and trolls with um all the all the teams across the water. So um eventually I, I came to Preston. Preston made me an offer. I had a couple of offers across the board. You know, I'd been at clubs like Arsenal and Leicester and Villa. Um but uh, chose chose to go to Preston because I was quite I was always quite critical of myself and quite self-aware and reflective of my own um, um abilities and, and strengths and weaknesses. Uh, as was my father, who used to give me a team talk before every game and and addressing down after every game if I was if I didn't ever put in a poor performance, you know. Um, so we were always quite realistic in in um in my in my in my kind of aims and goals and and how far I could actually push my career, you know. Um, so we kind of we came to we came we came to Preston and we got an offer from Preston and they were they were a strong side um at that moment. Yeah. They the season I signed, I think they got to the playoff final and were beaten by, um, I think it was by West Ham, I think was it. No, the West Ham was when I was there. Ah, yeah. Previous, I think they were beaten on penalties by somebody. Yeah. It could have been somebody like, like Birmingham went up a couple of years uh, previous. Yeah. Uh, or, or Crystal Palace. I think it was Andy Johnson was playing in front for for one of them. I think it could have been uh, Crystal Palace actually. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was a uh, it was a kind of a, it was a strong club at the time. David Moyes was actually the manager when he signed. Um. So yeah, it was it was and David Moyes would have had huge connections with the U team and pushing them and that was. That was one of the reasons why I went there because there was uh, I think the U team used to train with the first team every Tuesday and work with the back four or, or the back four used to go in and train with with the first team, and um, so that was a huge incentive for me to, to choose Preston. But it was a real family kind of oriented club, so um, yeah, they were, they were they were they were always looking after the Irish lads going over there and and myself in particular they they, they went out of their way to, to look after me throughout the years, you know. Yeah, what was the, the Davy Moyes like? Is as a manager, did the young boys have much dealings with them when you were over there? Um, yeah, like so, as I, as I touched on there, so every Tuesday in the afternoon, so Moyes would take his um, his, his attackers out in the pitch, <clears throat> throwing a bit of a phase, um, a phase session plan, and the back four of the of the U team would be the defenders, probably to give the attackers a bit more confidence. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> you know, hoping to score a few goals, but um, no, it was great experience for um, for the. Certainly, the academy lads and that Moyes used to do that every 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 season, regardless of of um, the U team or who was there, how good they were, and um, we've seen it away as as um, a way to progress there, them. And uh, the better players you play against, the better you become as a player yourself. So um, yeah, but Moyes, he was always he was very he was a good character around the place. I, I only dealt with him a few times because I was over there 
um, on my trials. And then eventually when I saw him, I went over for a week, one of the midterm breaks. Um, so yeah, he was a big character around the place. Um, really friendly, really approachable kind of guy. You know, some of the first team players might tell you otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, he was a really, really great character and in his career kind of speaks for itself since, since he left Preston, you know. Yeah, did, did, were you staying over in, in Diggs over there, David, when you moved over? Yeah, so that was the, that was the the arrangement that the, the club had. It was about twelve of us in the digs, um, and luckily enough, at the time there was there was a strong Irish connection. So I think at any at any given time there was maybe three or four of us in the in the digs. Yeah, um, you had a couple of the older lads um, in the into the last year of the contracts when I went over first, um, but I was there. I was in the digs for three years, so that was great. It was it was a great environment to be in, and, and like you're living and breathing football. Um, so yeah, so we're, we're mixed in with all the English lads, but all the English lads used to go home at the weekend. So we used to have a free run of the digs at the weekend. So <laughs> if we didn't go home, you know, so it was good crack. <laughs> did uh, of course uh, he'd leave Moisey and then uh, Craig Brown comes in, doesn't he? Um, how did you find him? Yeah, Craig Brown was was great. Look, he was um, he was first and foremost, he's a really nice man. Yeah. Um, never are always quick to have a quick chat with you or just to, to see how you're doing and, and stuff like that. You know, he's a really really lovely man. Um. So, but, but and given his experience with Scotland as well, it was it was huge. I think the first thing he did was to come in and change formation, went to a, a back three, and um, some of the some of the defenders and some of the the players in the first team were a bit it was a bit alien to them. But um, we ended up playing a back three with the U team as well, um, as 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 a plan or as a progression plan from the U team into the first team, you know. Um, but yeah, no, it was great. I actually really enjoyed playing as in, in the back three and. Uh, there was times where you jump up again with the first team and, and be training with them or playing with them in the reserves and um, yeah so it was, good, it was good to get just a, a different formation a different view on the, on the, on the game when, when Craig came in and um, his assistant as well was Billy Davis who was brilliant yeah. he was absolutely brilliant on the training pitch you know so um, I think Craig was more of a man manager and Billy was the was the, was the man on the, on, or the, the man who put the put the session plans on the grass from you know yeah, was there some big characters in, in, in that dressing room at the time? I was looking at some of the players there at that time. It must have been quite a, a lively, a lively place to be. Yeah, there really was. Like this, this is a top championship team at, at the time, you know. So there was a lot of huge characters. Sean Gregan was there, who eventually went to to West Brom and played Premiership for uh, for West Brom. And he's the likes of Richard Creswell, yeah. uh, David Healy was there, um, a fellow came through the ranks. A, a press from Paul McKenna was there, really good midfielder. And then you had Chris Ducetti, who eventually made club captain as a as a centre half. Graham Alexander was there. Yeah. Um. So I was kind of littered with a with a with a few internationals across the board there, you know. Um. And then the, like a couple of signings later, I made was Ricardo Fuller came in as a striker, and he was brilliant. Um. Marking him in training was pretty pretty difficult. I was <laughs> trying to keep up with him. Um. But yeah. Then well, Billy took over as manager, then and kind of took the club to the to the next level. Um, and they were they were challenging year in year out with, with Billy, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a really strong, really strong club at the time, and and um, <clears throat> yeah, some really really strong players there as well. Yep. Simon Lynch was there for a bit, wasn't he? Ex ex Celtic. Um, did he? I was reading a bit about how he went and had a sort of music career. Was did he, did he bring his guitar into his training or anything like that, or did, was he? Was well, not into training, but I was around his house a few times and he had the guitar <laughs> ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Lindsay, Lindsay's a good friend of mine, and he actually went up, went back to Dundee, and when I was at Hamilton, and uh, I tried to lay a few kicks into him a few times as well when he was there. So, now he's a good friend of mine, Lindsay. So yeah, he took up music as a career afterwards, and um, cool. I, think, I think he was doing well with it for for yeah. for a certain period. I haven't haven't really kept in touch with his, with his musical career. 
Maybe yeah. he wasn't that good after all. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned Billy Davis came in, of course, that we touched on the club, made the, uh, the playoff final in uh, 2005, West Ham beat them. Did, did you go at the Millennium Stadium at all, David? Were you, were you there? Or? Yeah, so that would have been my last year in the U team. Yeah. And I was due to go back then uh, for pre-season uh, with the first team. So I, I'd say a lot, um, a lot was riding on that game yeah. in my career. Um, because if they'd have got promoted, they probably would have done a done a sweep across the board and and let a few lads go, and I, I probably would have been one of them that would have, would have been let go, you know. Yeah. Um, the fact that I had a contract and and um, just just made me maybe stay on like with the first team. I don't think Billy particularly fancied me. I, I thought it was I thought it was good enough for the first team at that at that time. Um, but now I I ended up staying and doing preseason with the, with the first team the year after. And it was the best thing that I, that, that I could have done because I, I made a bit of a bit of an impression on Billy, and he he eventually sorted out uh, the move to Hamden from you know. Yeah. Uh, before that, you had a wee loan spell at, at Scarborough. Um, were, were you pleased? To, I guess a chance there to go and actually play some games. It must have been good for you. Yeah, it was good, mate. I was supposed to be there for the Christmas, uh, but they they changed manager halfway through, so I ended up going back. Um, depressed a bit earlier than, than expected. Yeah. Neil Redfern was, was at Scarborough at the time, wasn't he? I was, I was looking yeah, at... so when I went in there first, Redders was, was player manager, player coach. Yeah. And um, he was brilliant. He was, he was still playing. So, yeah. Uh, really, really good player at the time. And um, he used to score a lot of goals for some midfield. Yeah. And um, yeah, so when I went in there first, it was, really, it was great because it was, it, was, it was me jumping into proper men's football, you know, and, and yeah. uh, <clears throat> senior football, which was huge at, at the time. Like going from 19s level, you're playing against kids your own age. And uh, really, what you have to do is get out and play play first team football anywhere. Yeah. Um, so they were in the they were in the in the conference. Um, the club actually itself wasn't in great shapes at the time. I think they ended up going to the wall not long after I left. Um, but um, it was a huge learn learn experience for me and and um, a real reality check of of how football um, is and can be. I really saw the ugly side of the game when I was at Scarborough. Yeah. Um, like you had players players getting paid by check and checks bouncing. <laughs> I was really, really shocking. Like, and some of these lads, are, like, what do you do as a professional footballer when you're not being paid? Do you, do you stick it out and do you, do you keep the head down, or do you basically yeah. go on strike because like, you're not being paid? Um, <clears throat> a lot of the time, it's uh, players just keep going because they don't, they don't know any, any better. Yeah. Um, luckily enough, the, the PFA now are, are, are a strong union for the players, so they, they can fight the players' corner. But really, um, really a uh, big learning curve, eye opener to what they're what the game can can be like for some professionals you know certainly at, at, a, at a specific level mm. or at the lower levels in football you know so really really ugly time but it was good it was it was good for me to, it toughened me up a little bit more you know yeah. and a lot, along with playing men's football down the conference um i remember my first pre-season game and um, i think he played sheffield united in the friendly or, or maybe scunthorpe it was and they had a big striker playing up, up front i think his name was ian thorpe and uh, i went through the back of <laughs> or he went through the back of me or left an elbow on me so the next next header I went for I went, I went and left a bit on him and he, he's just he, it was like something out of a movie he just kind of went come on then <laughs> and he went oh shit like, panic stations he was six foot three he was built like a like a fridge like, and I was going shit next header he's going to kill me but yeah so that was all part of growing up <laughs> and learning me trade in the conference you know so but but, uh, but it was good it was Good then to move north. Uh, go back to go back to Preston, play a bit of reserve team football, and then eventually move move north to to Scotland. Yeah, see, finally touched on Scarborough. I mean, I had a 
Jamie Mitchell on a, f- a few months ago, he played for them in the 90s and he said he was just young, probably about your age, and he was just, <laughs> he loved being at the seaside and going out and partying and all that because it's a good party atmosphere down there. Did you, did you, did you sample the delights of Scarborough at all when, when you were over there? <laughs> yeah, we had a few nights out, all right. Uh, I'm not too sure. It was now Las Vegas or anything like that. It was more <laughs> like a seaside holiday resort, you know, more like a, a Mosney or a Butlins or something. So maybe that's what Jamie's into, <laughs> you know. But uh, no, no, listen, enjoyed my time there. I did have a couple of nights out with the lads. There was a good bunch of lads that were there. It was just a shame what was happening with, um, yeah. um, at the time, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, that no, was a good experience, a great experience for me to... to to see what it was like yep. really the the the, huge, the the best experience I had there was was actually playing games you know yeah so see see that see the Aki's move David but were you disappointed at the time to, to leave Preston did you feel that you, you deserved maybe a chance to show what you could do there um no not really um I wasn't bitter about the whole thing at all yeah. um again going back to me being quite reflective and quite realistic in, in my in my goals they had they had a couple of international centre halves playing there and I think uh, two or three of them could do a hundred meter sprint in about ten seconds. So I was never the quickest off the mark myself. So I was never going to really live up to, to their qualities. Or, or I, I certainly had different qualities to them. I was more of a, a talker, communicator, kind of a leader. Um, the first ten yards is always in your head. <laughs> At that level, it needed it really did need to be ten yards, you know, because um, um, the championship is certainly more uh, more an athletic league now than it, than it ever was, you know. Um, but yeah, no, I wasn't. I was never bitter about the whole thing. Billy sorted me out with the, with the move to Hamilton. Um, I think the, the way it was, the way it worked out was that the Preston were looking to take another lad who was actually playing for reserve team at the time. <clears throat> he was under 19s, so he would have been behind me in the pecking order. I, I would have been like a, a young pro, and um, but I couldn't play when I went back initially from Scarborough because there was something to do with the registration. I had to be re-registered with, with Preston, and it was a couple of weeks um, break. So I think I think Billy Reid was down watching. <clears throat> a reserve game and only other lads played and wanted to take him but Billy interjected and said no listen I have a better one for you and, and sent me up yeah. and a uh, day or two later I was an, I was an Aki's player yeah magic did you know much about Aki's or, or Hamilton or anything like that before you joined um, not not an awful lot there was one or, one or two of the Preston lads went up on loan yeah um, John, John Bailey I think one of, the, one of the lads went up on loan he was a couple of years ahead of me Um. In, in, in Preston's academy or Preston's uh, underage setup, but yeah, no, I did, didn't really know a whole lot about um, about Aki's are the, yeah. the main focus for for me growing up as a kid would have been um, Celtic and Rangers, you know, the, the old firm. Anything outside of that was was um, was kind of irrelevant to be honest. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> I yeah. any disrespect, you know, but um, yeah, I assume assume got to got to know all about the Scottish League and Aki's in particular. Yeah, so Billy Davis, a great character. Billy Reid, another top character as well. How, how did you find him? I guess another light, lively, lively dressing room, I'd imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Like Billy, Billy built a, a very strong dressing room there during, during that time there. Um, he was, he was, he was very good. Billy would always have that. Or for me, maybe it was because I was, I went in there as a, as a kid. I was only, I think I was only nineteen or twenty going up there. Um, so yeah, it would have been. He was more of like a father figure influence to me, if you know what I mean. So he would always have that, um, the fear factor about him, you know. So when, when Billy gave me a dressing down after a poor performance, you, you knew all about it, and um, you just you just took on the chain, you know. Um, but yeah, no, he was, he was fantastic, like a really good man manager and really approachable. And, and uh, I remember it was one, one season I started back and I, um. Had a bit of a bit of a mare in the first two games, and I was going, "What's going on?" Like, and Billy pulled me in after one of the games, seeing I was a bit upset, and I just says, "What's going on, G? All right." So, 
in terms of my management skills, he just kind of he um he picked he picked me out at that place. I was in at the, at that t- at that time in terms of performances and that. And I think the next game I didn't score the winner against against Dundee. Um, so then after that it was it was all about just keeping confidence going and, and Billy was great for that, you know, with the lads. Yeah. How, how did you find Scottish football? Was it right up your street there? It'd been sort of rough and tumble. Um, without doing myself any disrespect, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, hundred percent. It was um, again. It was just a, just a man's game up there, you know. Yeah. And um, it's all about winning at the end of the day. So it's it's winning at all costs. Whether it's playing pretty football, um, Aki's in general. We tried to play a little bit of football. We had had the players over the years to, to be able to do that. But we could certainly mix it um, if it, if it got ugly as well, um, which would have suited suited me more so than, than anything else, you know. Yeah, I mind what I covered a few games for uh, back in the day, and it was great watching Hamilton, especially that season. You went up from the uh, well, the old first division, the championship. I mean, the style of football that you played was brilliant, and you had the players to do that. It was great to see them giving sort of youth a chance, wasn't it? And and being part of that side. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that was it. it. Was it was a change in the in the style of play as well. So yeah. if you look at the first division teams, that did all a lot of them would be blood and thunder, um, um, like just trying to get promoted or trying to trying to survive. Where you go up into the SPL and you have you have proper tactics and proper teams trying to play proper football, you know. Even the likes of Rangers and Celtic, they'd probably sit off you in your own half. So give us give us a chance to kind of express ourselves and play out from the back if you wanted to. Um, but yeah, that was it was it was a it was a it was, gave gave us a better chance of um, of kind of putting a stamp on our, on ourselves and and being able to play a bit more and um, maybe in our own half and the build up toward the pitch. Now it was it was harder obviously to, to score goals in the in the final toward and um, with, the, with the with the standard going up. Uh, certainly, defense and defensively, things are hard to score against, and more more organised and well drilled, you know. Um, but yeah, no, we, we we did try, we did try a couple of occasions, we failed, um, quite uh, quite glamorously. But um, yeah, okay, we were we were kind of we were we were a decent side, um, over the years in in, in the in the top flight there with that team, and we we tried to play a bit of ball when we could, but like I said, we when we had to roll up the sleeves, we did, you know. Yeah, how did you like? How did you enjoy? I know. It, uh, more often than not, you came off the he- a heavy defeat. But playing at re- arenas like Parkhead and Ibrooks as a player, David, what what was that like? Yeah, it was great. They were they were never never really packed out when when, when Hamilton would arrive up for an away game at Ibrooks or at Celtic Park. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was brilliant. Like it was again, it was just it was different football. Like so, you're like say playing at New Douglas Park, like you're shouting at lads and they can actually hear you. Even yeah. if there's two thousand people there, <laughs> at Celtic Park and there's forty fifty thousand people there. And they can't hear a word you're saying. So, um, so in that regard, it's it's, it's a harder environment. So you're kind of going off your 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 football and ability and your your communication with your teammates and your your understanding with your teammates a bit more. Um, probably why Rangers and Celtic are are are, are as good as they are because they they're they're naturally playing with each other, yeah. um, rather than rather than being being forced and or maybe helping each other out on the pitch in that moment at any given time sort of thing. So. But that's all part and part of um, training and, and um, getting to know your players around you in the, in in training every yeah. day and being able to translate that into the pitch, you know. Yeah, but some of the players, especially the defenders uh, for yourself, but like the big Marco and uh, Chris Wills was there for, for a time as well. Martin Canning, did they, these guys help you? Do you enjoy playing alongside these guys? Yeah, absolutely. Learned learned loads from from each of them individually. And um, Chris Wales, I think he was still playing when he was a thirty eight. Yeah. Um, in the SPL, really great experience, lad. Like. Yeah, he was just a, just an honest, a good honest centre half, you know. Read the game really well. Uh, Big Marco the same. He was a warrior, like. Yeah. Um, read, again, in fairness, all all three of them would have read the game very well. Uh, Kanza would have had a bit more pace um, than, than all three of us put together, I think. 
Yeah. But um, no, equally the, the three lads were were um, very good players, very good professionals as well. Like you don't like Lucas Wales, you don't play until you're tw- or, or, or as long as you as you as you as he did for us. Yeah. Um, Big Marco as well. I think Big Marco is still playing junior when he's about forty-two. Um, <laughs> and then Kanzo went into management then. So those three, those three characters, um, helping you not learn from them, you know, uh, playing yeah. alongside them. And probably probably didn't didn't learn or not didn't learn as much, but didn't appreciate how good they were until I was gone. Yeah. Um, until you lose that experience beside you. Um, but yeah, and I would try to pick up um, every bit of knowledge I could off those three and uh, and a few others in the dressing room as well. Yeah, another one that went into management and done really well. Alec Neil, um, he was very vocal as, as a player, as, as a captain as well. Did, did you enjoy? Uh, did you did you get yelled at a few times by him, or did, did you enjoy playing with him? Yeah, I don't think anybody didn't get yelled at too much with, with Alex, you know. <laughs> but um, no, I would have been, I would have been kind of right there behind him in terms of dishing out bollocks at the time as well. So yeah. Um, now listen, myself and Alex were kind of on the same wavelength. We a good few conversations over the years, and and actually, um. He let me go into Preston a couple of years ago. I, went, I asked him could I go and, and um, do like a little club visit or see what he was at in training or um, see what they did day to day. So I, I'm, I'm I've done me or I'm doing my A license at the minute. Um, it's been, been delayed a little bit with the coronavirus, but yeah, I asked Alex to just go in and give us a give us a little insight into what he was doing as as a manager and in terms of prepping for a game. So I went in on a Friday, and um, so he's doing all sorts of um, analysis with the players and um, of what they're going to do. Uh, their, their preparations and, and uh, tactics for the for the upcoming game. And then they go out and go out and produce it on the training pitch. Yeah. And um, yeah, so it was great. It was a great experience. So, so uh, Alex is Alex is um always very very approachable, very talkative with me. Um, certainly off the pitch. And um, yeah, he's, yeah, again to this day he'll he'll tell you if if we can help you out in any way he will. Yeah, he's a top man. Yeah, of course the two Jameses were there as well. Great talents themselves. It, did you realise back then? I mean, I've had a few Aki's ex ex players on, and they said Thomas Cherney had them recently. He said, he'd say they knew straight away in training they were just they're just different classes. Is that what you found? Yeah, well, not only their like their, their ability was was a, a kind of undoubtable, really, but it was it was what they it was what they gave the training sessions and in uh, our team. It was always such a good competitive streak in the two of them, and and in and everybody in, in that dressing room, in fairness, and that's why the team was so successful at the time, or the club was was so successful. Over those few years, so it was it was just the energy and and the, and the buzz they bought about the place. You know, like, like even when James came in, like he was only sixteen, or James McCarthy came in, he was only like fifteen or sixteen when he played for his first. So it was like, like you're, you're you're dealing with these kids, like the kids. Like, and I know he would have been only twenty twenty one myself at the time when he came through, um. But like the kids, just it's it just they just liven the place up, they freshen the place up. James James McCarthy as well. He's a he's a bundle of energy the whole time as well. So, um, now it just brought that brought that buzz and brought that energy into training sessions, and and we all had to had to step up to the mark, otherwise we we were, we would have got left behind, you know. Yeah. Um. So, did you play the Lanarkshire Derby? You'd have played it that, wouldn't you, when you when you were at Aki's? Oh yeah, I played in many of them. Yeah. What, what was what was that like? Um. Yeah. It was there, there was a bit of a bit of <laughs> I don't want to say hatred, but it was a. Bit <laughs> But it was definitely a bit of something there, you know. <laughs> Again, because of the first season that we were we were there, the first full season that was there, it was it was kind of it was it was a nothing nothing game really because we didn't play Motherwell at all, um, over the years. But then as soon as we we got we got up into the SPL at the time, um, yeah, it was it was um it was a pretty heated, pretty yeah. heated games, alright. Yeah. Some of the other players that I was looking at, 
I'd like to say that I talked to Thomas about this um, when Lewis Rubiales came in only for a, a few weeks or something like that, wasn't he? But it's amazing what he went on to become the, the, the main man for the Spanish FA. Well, do you have any memories of him when he came in? Yeah, I mean, it was actually, Luis was great. Ruby used to call him. Um, so he was brilliant. Like a really lovely fella, for first and foremost, but really professional and just the way he went about um, just preparing himself and and uh, just getting himself, even even little things like his diet, what he was doing, like his, uh, keeping himself hydrated around the training, training pitch and the, and the club and that. Um, he was only in for, I think it was, <laughs> I think he played at Rangers, away at Ibrox and we were hammered. Yeah. I think that was the last we've seen of Ruby, you know. Um, just the game didn't suit him. I think, I think in that game, Ruby was playing left back and ended up in the right wing at one stage and we were kind of going, Where, where's he gone? Like, but, uh, so he had that kind of creative, eccentric side to him. Um, but yeah, no, he was always, he was, his, his English was actually the most impressive part of him, really, to be honest. He, he was fluent in English when he came across. Um, always, always wanted to have a chat with you, uh, wanted to know, like, really kind of get in, in-depth conversations with you. I remember he came to a pre-season with us um, in Ireland, actually, back to, he went back to Dublin for a pre-season. And uh, just every, every time he sat down at the table for, whether it be breakfast, lunch or dinner, Whoever he was sitting beside, he, and I think he tried. He went out of his way to sit with everybody individually, or went with as many people as possible, just to get find out more about them, just to get, like find out what their interests were, what 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 they what they, what they got up to in their spare time, and you know he had that. It was you knew he was just going to be a, a he was a bit of a leader, you know, like a yeah. bit of a um yeah, he was quite an inspirational kind of a character. If uh, looking back at it now, like again, didn't really didn't quite appreciate it at the time. Just thought he was a busybody trying to get in everybody's ear. You know? <laughs> but uh, now, like, like he was a proper leader, and it, it didn't really surprise me when he when he took the took the reins of the the, the yeah. Spanish, um, Spanish FA or the Spanish PFA. Yeah, it's, it's incredible stuff. Uh, uh, Mikel Antoine Courier was there as well. Another big character again. We had him on. Uh, I think last year we had him on as well. He he <laughs> he must have kept things lively as well. I'd imagine. Yeah, the big man. I think drama followed him wherever he went, you know. <laughs> uh, but just uh, the big man was great. He, for what he did for us as a team, he got he gave us a focal point up there, you know. And you yeah. could you could you could you could lash the ball into him from wherever. And he all he wanted to do was just hold it up, lay it off, and get himself in the box where he could score his goals, you know. And uh, he was brilliant. He was brilliant for for the job he did and uh, for the role um, as a striker, you know. He was great for the for the team. Yeah, and I mean behind the scenes, it always seemed a, a right good place to be. The likes of that. Danny the Kitman and Avril and all that there. It just seemed like a real, a real fun place to be at the time. Yeah, well, like all those types of characters at, at the club would have came with Billy from Clyde. I know Danny came from Livingston a few years later, but um, no, I think I think Billy, Billy, one of Billy's strengths was um, what, what he had in his backroom staff, and he never never really had anybody that was going to really fall out with anybody personally, if, if you know what I mean. He always yeah. had good people with him. Um, again, that, that's down to his man, man management and his people skills. Um, um, yeah, so everybody at the club, we, we, we had a really good laugh every day. And that, that was the, some of the memories we had there, just even day-to-day training and, and the crack and the, and the banter we had was, was always uh, what's, what stands, stands out in, in, in certainly my career when I look back. Um, I actually remember Alex Neal saying, like, like, remember, remember these, these times at the club and remember how, how much fun it is because these, these types of clubs don't come around um, that often, you know, and, and certainly with with the with that Aki's team, with a really good camaraderie, we we were out probably a little bit more than we should have. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that was Billy gave us a little bit of free reign there as well. So a team that socialises together, wins together, basically. I think what, what Billy's motto was, you know, 
Um, but yeah, now listen, really, really strong near club. Um, probably started with with Billy and in his recruitment and everything else like that. Um, we never really signed anybody that, that didn't fit in, or or if they didn't fit in, and straight away Billy wasn't afraid. It wasn't afraid to to let them go straight away and and, and pull the trigger in that regard. You know, there's a bit of a ruthless streak in him as well, which was great to have. Um, but yeah, yeah, Billy always had the best interest of the, of the dressing room and, and the club at heart. You know, yeah, absolutely. Ben. That final season you're there, um, David. Of course, the, the club were relegated that year. Did is, is that? Did you decide to leave then, or what, what, how how did that come about? How, what 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 made you leave Aki's? Yeah, so the, the year previously, um, I was kind of uh, I would have, I would have been probably third choice centre back, being realistic about it. And we used to go to a back three from time to time. And if I, if it was ever a back three, I'd play if the opposition played two up top. So I was always. Um, the third choice and Big Marco and, and Canzo probably would have played ahead of me. Um, so at, at the time I was I was thinking it was about maybe 24, 25. So it was kind of my ego was taking a hit at the minute at that at that time, you know. So I, I spoke to the chairman Ronnie McDonald the, the season previous. Um, I only only signed a one year deal, where in reality I probably should have signed a longer deal. But again, that was my my inexperience and naivety and my ego getting in the way. I probably should have signed for longer than one year. Um, for my career, because if, if you're looking at it, Marco Canzo or, or Mark, Sydney Marco wasn't getting any, any younger. You won't, you, won't, yeah. uh, <laughs> you won't be impressed me for saying that. About him. But, uh, yeah, so I probably would have been tipped as his, as his long-term replacement for the club, you know. Um, but uh, only signed a one-year deal. We got relegated that year, and it was just it was just a no-brainer. I think Simon Menson, Marco Canzo all had contracts, so it, they didn't need me, you know. It was just a business decision at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, so listen, I was probably ready, not ready for the change, but I, I kind of fancied something different then. Um, and then I ended up going over to Iceland after that. So that was um, certainly was a, a different, a different turn in my in my career then, you know. Yeah, but see, see, before we look at that Iceland time, see when you're at Aki's, you played for um, the Republics under was it twenty one? Is that is that right? You, you represented them. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So the season we, we won the league, um, it was called the twenty ones then. Yeah, and we had a, a summer tournament over in, in Malaysia. Um, it was actually an under twenty threes tournament, but it was still only twenty one. So, so the Irish team we took a twenty ones team to it. Yeah. Um. So we went over there. It was like an eight team tournament for a couple of weeks, two weeks it was. Um. So yeah, it was brilliant, great experience, and it was it was all basically off the back of win the league with Hamilton, you know. So. Yeah. Um. For anyone anyone who thinks that the that the the, the Irish setup don't watch the Scottish league it would, would be hugely mistaken. I just won the. Won the championship with the uh, with Hamilton, so relatively un- unknown, um, and got myself managed to get myself in the under twenty ones and ended up captain the team over there as well. Yeah, uh, I mean it must be must have been mega proud to do that. there and your family must have been proud of that. I uh, like the internationals. Um, it was always a, a huge uh, a pr- privilege moment. You know, um, it was always a reflection of how you were doing at club level. Yeah. Um, to be selected in the international setup, you know, so. I, it's like I always kind of thought to myself, I must be doing something right if I'm getting selected for the for the national team, you know, or under twenty one level. Um, so yeah, like just huge proud moment for me and the family. I still have the jerseys and the and yeah. the armband upstairs there. So now uh, was a hugely hugely proud moment. Yeah, magic. And so so Iceland then, um, it's a bit le- left field. What what was what was the script there? Was there any other offers, or did you just fancy something completely different? Um, yeah, to be honest, I had, I had a few offers. So um, when I was still in Scotland. Ended up going. Uh, I was training with Queen of South for a bit. Um, training with Queen of South, training with Air, and kind of kind of bounced around there. So I was talking to Brian Reid and Gus McPherson was at Queen's as well at the time. So um, I was playing a couple of couple of preseason friendlies and that, and ended up uh, I, I ended up 
let me think of the, the situation. I think, I think I ended up pulling my hamstring in one of the games. So I was injured then. And then what happened What happened was then my wife got a job down in London. Um, so we, you know what, we, ju- we just decided to, to make a break for it. And, and I was only looking at first division offers. So it wasn't probably a similar money to what, what it was on at, at Aki's. Yeah. So decided to go, right, look, I had an agent at the time who had contacts down in London. So I went down to London and done a bit of training down there until I could get in the door at a few places. So training at Dagenham, um, trying to wick them. Um, at a, at a, actually, and then another thing what happened, clo- a bit closer to Christmas now. So I was, I, was, I was a couple of months behind everybody else because of the injury I picked up with, with, the, with the, the friendly at, at Queen's, um, or air it was actually. I went in for a, a, a trial game with Wickham and we played Chelsea at their training ground. And I was Mark, I was ended up playing fullback and I was marking Ryan Bertrand uh, from Southampton. Southampton. He was yeah. coming through the ranks there at Chelsea and I was, I, was, I was chasing him up and down the pitch so much that I pulled my hamstring again. So I was really on the back burner then. Like, so um, I had a, I went, went to go see a running specialist down in London actually. I've yeah. been to see him sporadically over the years. Um, to help me with injury prevention and stuff like that as well. So I think on the back of the two hamstring injuries, it was about time I, I went back and seen him. So by the time I was actually back fit, it was nearly around the Christmas time. Um, so then um, I had a couple of offers come in for, from across the water. So the likes of Iceland, um, a couple of offers from like Greece and Cyprus and that. Um, but just the, the, the Iceland thing, just, it just kind of felt right. At the club, we've been in contact and I really got, I got a, good, a good impression of them. Um, ended up going for pre-season with them um, a week to Albufeira in the start of February. Um, so it, that, was a, that was a great training camp. The weather was nice there as well at the time. So got to know all the lads there and got to know the staff and the management. And again, just kind of a, a real homely environment to the club, you know. Um, the Icelandic clubs, I don't know if you know how they work over there, but the, the, the little towns and villages are, are, are basically um, built around football clubs and sports clubs. Yeah. And it's and it's not just it's not just the football they have like so the sports club or the, the team I played for was called Filker, um so they they would have had a an indoor hall facility they had a an astro they had a a couple of outdoor grass pitches, um they also had like a an outdoor swimming pool indoor swimming pool facilities so these <clears throat> all these clubs are built around their, their facilities, and a really kind of community based environment you know, so it's really good really great family kind of community orientated place to be and I just I just felt felt right at home there very early and, and they went out away from me. I would have been their only international signing. And uh, like went in there, made an impression straight away and, and I was captain for a couple of games and uh, towards the end of the season. So you know, my time there was was fantastic. And um, my wife was still in London at the time. So, so personally it was it was a bit tough. But she was over every every month or I was at home every month for for a, a week or a couple of days visits. Um, but no really enjoyed it I kind of Got me, got me back. Like I was training full time with our lads, but the way it works in Iceland is that they're not. Most of them are, are semi pro. No, I would have been on professional terms. So or during the daytime, I was going to the gym, and then training in the afternoon. So I was, I was got myself in really good condition to give me a chance to kind of refocus the mind and, and work on all the the rehab prehab stuff I was given, um, by the running coach, um, in in London at the time. So yeah, it gave me a chance to to do extra extra work outside of the training pitch. Um, and uh, I had a fantastic season over there, and I, they ended up offering me a two-year deal after that, um, which which incorporated like a job for my wife and, and everything else like that. Um, but it just wasn't to be. We myself and my wife decided to, to come home and start a family, um, so we chose to come home then after that. Yeah, Iceland's a, a cracking place. I was there a few years ago. Did you go to the, the Blue Lagoon and all that, and go and see the yeah, Northern we, Lights? <laughs> yeah, one of the one of the lads in the team actually worked in the Blue Lagoon as a as wow. a tourist um, or a tourist uh, attraction. 
Yeah. Um, so he was able to dish me out a few free tickets. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, every time somebody was over, family was over, I was um, um, just bringing them to the Blue Lagoon. Had had my parents over, and my wife's parents. Every time my wife was over, we would pop in to the Blue Lagoon. It was great, just to yeah. chill out, you know. Yeah, it's a cracking place. I definitely go back. Um, you signed for uh, Shamrock Rovers then back in uh, uh, 2013. What what was the thinking behind that move? Just you want to just go back um, home? Yeah, well, to be honest, there wasn't much thinking behind it at all. I came home and, and James Chambers, who was who was at Aki's um, with with me um, a couple of seasons before, he had, he had just signed for Shamrock Rovers and he knew the manager very well. Um, so straight away, James made a phone call to the manager said, listen, there's a lad coming home from, from Scotland here, or from Iceland here, and we think he's worth a look at. And like uh, just straight away, it was a no-brainer for me. Shamrock Rovers would be the biggest club in the country. Yeah. Um, and like snapped snapped the handoff as soon as they came in for me, you know? Yeah, but the one that that was a good season for them that that, that year. They won two cup finals, didn't they? You were on the bench. Was it the EA Sports Cup final? The um, the beat. Jordan? Yeah, I was I was on the bench for the um, was it the EA Sports. It was two of them. We won the League Cup and the EA Sports that yeah. year. Um, I can't remember now. To be honest, which one? I think it was the EA Sports when I was on the bench and then come uh, and then played the the League Cup final. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So won two cups. Uh, with Rovers. Bit of a disappointing season overall because we had a, a very strong squad. In terms of the, the personnel we had with the with in the in the League of Ireland, you know, um, didn't really challenge the league, didn't even get to Europe. Actually, in fact, that season we we had too many draws, um, and not enough wins. Um, but yeah, no, at this point in season, for the club in terms of league position, but in terms of cups, we we done all right. We we held our own in the, in the cup competitions, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then it moved moved after that year to up to Derry. Um. Had a couple of a couple of like frustrating seasons with first of all with Shamrock Rovers and then Derry, and then took a bit of time off from the game. Injuries were kind of creeping up on me, probably from all the the physical exertions from from my younger days. You know, yeah. um, I was always one to, to to try and outrun myself if you like competing with the likes of um, the lads James McCarthy, McCarthy's of this world. You yeah. know, again, wasn't the most athletic, so time or time my body was starting to take its toll. You know. Yeah, so see that see how you're doing your 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 A license. Were you always thinking about doing the coaching when even back then, David, from a from an early age? Um, yeah, I think it was always always on my mind. Um, I done my B license coming towards the end of my career. I think I was about thirty when I done my my, my B license. Um, but yeah, I, I would always have had a good understanding about the game. Um, quite um quite vocal on the pitch, and bit of a couple of uh, leadership qualities there, you know. So. Yeah. Uh, would have always understood the game, understood the basics of keeping your shape as a team, and certainly defensively, I would have understood the game um, very well. Um, so yeah, it was always a, a natural progression for me to take up the coaching badges. And um, as, as I said, I, I'm, I'm on my A license at the minute. Um, I have one more coaching practice to put on um, with the FAI, but with this lockdown restrictions, we, we have actually been we've been a year now waiting to go back and do a coaching session. So it's been a bit frustrating, you know. Is that the dream to be a manager in, in your own right? Um, yeah, well, that, the the A license would enable you to to take a job anywhere really across Europe with yes. um, with your A license. Um, but yeah, like uh, to be honest with you, um, at the minute I'm, I've gone back and, and started studying. So and, uh, when I say started, I, I mean when I came back and signed for Shamrock Rovers, I done a um, I started a sport management degree. So the first two years of that degree were um, business management. So I got the first two years of that, which I felt was the most important thing to do. And then at the end of those two years, um, we had our second second baby. So I was uh, I was at home with the kids, working nights. Um, so the college was was being affected really in the, in the end of that second year when when the little my little fellow was born. So 
I decided to defer for maybe five or six years or I didn't really put a time frame on it, but I, I knew I wanted to go back at some stage. And then just with all this lockdown restrictions and everything else and the game kind of um, on hold, I just decided in September to go back and start or finish off my, my BA in sport management. Yeah. Um, so it's an online course. It's an online course anyway, but now the whole college is, is online because of the restrictions over in Denmark as well. It's a, it's a Danish college running the course. Um, so hopefully by, by next or the end of the December, I should have a, a BA in sport management. And okay. just right. along with that, it's, it's kind of taken me, it's taken or my thought process in a different a different way or a diff, down a different path. It's all to do with the, the organization, the structures of, of sports clubs and, <clears throat> and sport organizations and that as well. So so my mind is, is um, not only have I got the background in the football now, or this is where I kind of want to get, want to get to. So I have a background in football. I'll eventually have my A license in the bag, and with a um, a BA in sport management as well. So it's gonna it's gonna hold me in good stead for the future, you know. Yeah, I wish you all the best with that. Look, looking back on the the career, then David, in terms of um, players that you came up against, was the one that gave you a, a tougher time than, than than anyone else? Can you remember? Um, yeah, I remember Kenny Miller gave me the run around a few times, and it was just it wasn't even it wasn't even the run around as such, but it was just the his strengths were like always on the move, never stopping, like really sharp, short, sharp kind of speed oriented player, you know. Um, now, uh, just one of, one of my weaknesses would have been stopping and starting and getting going again. And it was like a like a big cart horse for for one of a better <laughs> word, you know. <laughs> oh so, yeah, so he he would have been my idea of a of my, of a, or my worst nightmare, uh, as you'd say. Um, the, on the other on the other scale of that, then you would have had Chris Boyd, who was who was relatively uninvolved in the build-up to a game but as soon as the ball came into the box then you'd have to be on your on your guard um one of Boydie's strengths was peeling off of the back stick and, and playing off fullbacks and winning headers of the back stick so um he was a different just a different um different style of player to play against but um e- equally both and um, fantastic players in their own way yeah is there any player that you played with that's the best player that sort of stands out more than any others uh Arakis. Uh, just anywhere, just anywhere during your, your your career. Yeah, well, so when I go back to Preston days, you'd have to say Graham Alexander was one of the standouts. Yeah. In terms of his professionalism and how and how good he was as a player. Yeah. Um, you've only got to look at what he's done in his football career. I think he played into in, in the Premiership when he was forty. Yeah. Um, and then gone on to a successful managing career as well. Now he's a, he's at Motherwell, so the less said about that, the better now. <laughs> <laughs> but I've always I've known Graham. Graham would have been one of the senior pros at, at Preston at the time, and. Uh, Obviously, a Scottish international as well. So, yeah. um, a few little connections there with Graham, and just a few little few messages over the years. So, um, but now he was a he was a standout, um, certainly with Preston anyway. And then with Aki's, obviously, you you probably the obvious ones would be James McCarthy, James MacArthur. Yeah. Um, uh, Big Marco was a huge influence in my career. Um, and Alex Neal, obviously, just yeah. to, with the success he's had in his playing career and then his, his managerial career. He's still a young manager. Yeah. Um, he's he's playing his trade, or he's played his trade in the Premiership and the Championship now. Yeah. Well, it's been absolutely sensational having you on, David. I've really enjoyed it. So thanks for coming on the <laughs> coming on the podcast. Really, mate. Thanks for having me. It's always good to to look back in my career and uh, something that most players don't get the chance to do or don't do as often as they should. So yeah, it was great. Thanks very much. Absolutely.
was episode 96 of the Talking Football podcast with David Ellibert. As ever, I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, you can listen to any previous episodes on our website, talkingfitball.co.uk. You'll also find a whole load of great content and articles on there. We're also now on YouTube if you just search for Talking Football. And we're on Twitter if you follow us at Talking underscore Football. And we're on Facebook as well. And remember, if you want to sponsor the Talking Football podcast, you can do just that. Just visit the Get Involved page on the website. Hope you can join me again next time, but until then, keep safe and bye for now. Bye.